And a very, very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live on this Feast of St. Cecilia, the 22nd of November. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. Welcome. We're happy to be here on this. Uh, it, was kind of, it was raining before. I think it's still kind of... Yeah, a little bit of a... Cold and damp. A nap kind of day. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't fall asleep, though. I think that... Uh, I Hopefully said that, I won't fall asleep during the show. No, no. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that you don't. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're welcoming you. If you are listening live at 4 o'clock on this uh, November 22nd, 2019, you can also watch the program coming to you live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also streaming live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And, of course, we're on the Amazon Alexa and the Google Home devices, just say play Domestic Church Media on our free mobile apps and on all of our Domestic Church Media radio stations. So you no longer have to be standing in the kitchen turning on the dial. We had, who was that? Was it a, a friend that lived down in, in, in Burlington County? Used to have to put the radio on her head or something? Arlene. Ar, what was it Arlene? Arlene? Her name was Arlene, yeah. Arlene. We would write letters and... I would send her pictures. The children were very small on that. Many, so many years ago. Many years ago where, you know, you still had to move your antenna around and try to pick up the signal facing mm -hmm. northeast or west. And however it worked, she had to go upstairs and she would rest it on her forehead and it was mm. just right. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> Not like that anymore. You get us all over the world now with all these devices. Well, we have a, a lovely program lined up for you today. Uh, coming up in just a little bit uh, this hour, Tim Glemkowski is going to join us. He's written a book called Made for Mission. It's a parish renewal program. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of scrambling, trying to figure out ways to... Keep people in the pew. And bring them back. Amen. Uh, another one. Uh, we're going to play Saint of the Day. Jim uh, Hoffman is here with the weather forecast. Next hour, we have our gospel uh, reading for this Sunday. And our reflection this week is by our friend, Father Jim Grogan. Uh, also, a couple of uh, friends from the Diocese of Camden, Mike Walsh and Marianella Nunez, will join us about... Their podcast, Talking Catholic, and a special announcement about that particular podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Jim Papandria, I'm going to pronounce it that way now. He may correct me when we have mom, but he's written a book called, uh, really a history book, a very light history book, uh, very easy to read, on the early church. And, and maybe I, we can learn from that. Well, that's... Uh, they I, must have I, done something right. That's what I... I, I, I didn't plan it this way, but the, I guess as I'm looking at it now, I'm saying both of our authors yeah. have uh, the same goal in mind. I, I, right. I think we could draw, certainly, from the early church. Um, certainly. You know, as you say, what were they doing right to, to grow so rapidly and uh, to uh, bring us to where we are today? So anyway, and then, of course, a lot of music, because it is the Feast of St. Cecilia. Um, also on this day, you know, in 1963, President Kennedy was assassinated. You don't remember that, probably, do you? I do not, although I was alive. You were alive. I remember Six. that. I was in third grade. We all know where we were. If you're at a certain age, as I said, I was in third yeah. grade, and, and uh, it was right around 1 o'clock or one thirty, I think, that they made the announcement. I don't remember. Uh, mm. But uh, anyways, it was a Friday as well. And um, I remember I was a Cub Scout, and the next day we were supposed to go out and sell cookies, Cub Scout cookies, <laughs> but they canceled it. The president had, had died. So, Anyway, so we'll uh, um, pray our prayers and invite you, friends, also to pray along with us with all of your special intentions. Um, as we're now just a, a little less than a week away from Thanksgiving, we thank God for you, for all of your prayers, your support, as we uh, now enter into that last uh, last season of the year, actually the first season of the liturgical year, mm -hmm. but as we close out our year together. Uh, thanking you for all you uh, do for us and have done for us throughout this year. And, of course, we're praying for unity. And so let's begin in the name of the Father 
of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, hear our prayers for our Holy Father, our bishops, our clergy, and for all who are in authority over us. Bless the whole Catholic Church and turn all hearts towards your most merciful heart. Bless our relatives, benefactors, friends, and enemies. Help the poor, the sick, and those who are in their last agony. Have compassion on the souls in purgatory. Grant them eternal rest and peace. Lord Jesus Christ, at your last supper, you prayed to the Father that all should be one. Send your Holy Spirit upon all who hear, hear your name and seek to serve you. Strengthen our faith in you and lead us to love one another in humility. May we who have been reborn in one baptism be united in one faith under one shepherd. O Lord, give your people, we pray you, the spirit of truth and the spirit of peace, that they may know you with all their minds and that following with all their hearts after those things which are pleasing to you, they ever may possess the gifts of your bountiful goodness. And we'll pray the prayer to St. Michael and also the prayer to our Blessed Mother. Our Holy Father asks us to pray these prayers to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Amen. And our prayers for the beatification of uh, Venerable Mother Maria Kalpas and also for healing of our friend Maria. O loving Jesus, we beseech you, grant that your servant Mother Maria, who was imbued with your Eucharistic presence while on earth, May through the intercession of your Immaculate Mother and Saint Casimir be glorified by visible signs and miracles, so that for your glory and the salvation of souls, she may by your power be declared blessed. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, we praise and thank you for your faithfulness and love. You have blessed us with the example of your servant Maria Calpis, whose deep faith in your presence, love for the Eucharist, and zeal in fostering the faith life of others continue to inspire us. Through her intercession, we pray for the healing of Maria. Help us to continue life's journey with a heart filled with a profound faith in you and that trust which is born of love. We ask this through Jesus our Lord and the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, Pray for us, Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us in the name of the Saint Father. Cecilia. Saint Cecilia. Oh yeah. Pray for us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We you, uh, we went to her tomb. Didn't we go see her tomb or her was it her was her church? Yeah, she, there was a church built over. But is she buried there? She is, and it's downstairs. You know, layers and years and years of sand and mm-hmm. earthly layers. But um, you can go down into the crypt, which was her home. And actually see the rooms they're still sort of carved out Mm. and um you know they found her laying in in like a bathtub i guess and that is still there and um it's a little bit off limits but you can go down and then make a little bit of a circular walk and and look at everything i mean just so ancient Mm. year two or three hundred something really really early and then maybe that is also possibly the very first church in all of that area. 
um, oh, yeah? St. Cecilia's around the year 500, if I'm not mistaken. In Rome, Little of course, yeah. T- yeah, right outside, right outside there is Trastevere. Mm-hmm. Trastevere. Trastevere. Okay. And uh, a, a little piazza they have. Mm-hmm. It's small. And there are people living there in little homes. Right. As I recall, when you walk right? into like a gate, sort of like a through a, mm-hmm. a wall, there's apartments on both sides, which maybe at one time was either a convent or mm, brothers or sisters, yeah. but now it's like just a monastery like, or something. You know, and they probably maybe work at the church or have some special devotion. But what a place to live there! Yeah, beautiful. But then the last time we were there. I think you didn't go. I, I took a wild bike ride. Remember, I rented a oh, bicycle. Oh, yeah, that's right. You rented a and bike. I and I rode went. down there. I just I wanted to see the island. And there's a lot of beautiful old churches there. So I thought, oh, I'll do a bike because it's a little bit outside of Rome, a few miles anyway. And, oh, I mean, um, see the island. The Trastevere. That's an island in the time. Why do I misspell it? It's mispronounced. Trastev- I, I have to see it spelled out. Then Trastevere. I can pronounce it properly. Father Tim would always correct me. So anyway, uh, because your it is father a little Tim or island. my father, Tim? your father, oh Tim. yeah, yeah, spiritual director. Mm-hmm. He, um, but it is, it's a little. We each island, have a father really. Tim, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you could go around and ride the whole thing, but oh. um, I walked in and there was a wedding going on. Oh really? It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. This huge, roughly dress. I could barely find the girl. I could just it was like a giant lampshade walking up the wow. aisle. And a little pipe organ was being played. It just brought tears to my eyes. No, oh that gosh. one time I did go with you, we were there with the children. Right, right. And uh, there was a little old nun playing the organ. Yes. Just all by herself and they playing the organ. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, really, you go back and play the organ. Oh, boy, what I we love thought At first, we there. thought it was St. Cecilia. We walked in and just, <laughs> know, just sitting there I playing know. the organ. Yes, she died with a song on her heart in love for the Lord. So she is the patroness of musicians. As I think everyone well know mm-hmm. knows that yeah. she was an organist. Although we didn't, we decide was there or, whether when the organ was invented, did we did we have a conversation. I don't think she on, really was an. Organist. We always see her sitting at an organ, right? But I think more so to portray she had a song of love oh. for the Lord in mm. her heart. Whether or not she really played that, that would be a good little research mm. project if you can even find out. But there were types of organs even before. Jesus, they say in Greece. Like I know you couple, were saying that. A couple of hundred years before. I find that hard to one. believe. I know, but it was like a water, some t- type of water mechanism. Uh-huh. So you know, I was, I was actually the other day, either morning or evening prayer, that one of the psalms was the psalm that says, you know, play play the string instruments, play it loud, <laughs> you know. And I was thinking, scripture's telling you to play like guitars and play them loud. <laughs> <laughs> Stringed well, instruments, which was probably guess, were the lute, right? The lute, and the viol, and you know those types in of the early B- B- in BC years. Oh well, no. yeah. you know, even like if you look at Greek pictures, Greek paintings, yeah. you'll see them with instruments, and it might be a long tube with a little small round body and one or two strings. I mean, even well, scripture says play it loud, whatever it was, whatever you plug can. it I in. Guess they didn't have uh, <laughs> plug in the amp. <laughs> they didn't have amplifiers. Yeah. But in those tiny little churches that, that were built for sound, there were no microphones, and the sound would bounce and resound, so it didn't take sure. much to make it loud. No, tiny guess. churches with, you know, the big dome ceiling, the sound would just bounce and travel. Yeah. Well, so there's you know, your uh, t- lesson on sound. Oh, St. Cecilia, pray mm-hmm. for us. And, of course, uh, 
um, President Kennedy. And I didn't realize this, that on this same day, C.S. Lewis died, the same day President Kennedy died, like so. within an hour of each other. But he, he got C.S. Lewis got no publicity because it was the president was assassinated, and C.S. Right. Lewis just kind of died quietly in his oh. study or something. But uh, it was the same day, and just like within an hour of each other. Oh. But I do remember the the day Kennedy was shot. I mean, I was in third grade, and and uh, yeah, did they sister, do anything where you had to go home? No, we didn't. They didn't send us home. Um, but I do remember sister coming over to the PA, saying, "Children, boys, girls, please say a prayer." The president has been shot in Texas. And I still remember the image in my mind as a, as a nine-year-old in third grade, the image of probably eight years old at that time. I, all I pictured was this desert with cactuses and the president out there in the little desert being shot. Like by a cow? Yeah, something like to that effect. Like, what, <laughs> well, what else What's he doing know? in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, uh, so. Aww. Anyway, I, but I do remember the nuns crying. I remember the nuns weeping. And, and, well, people loved yeah, him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing when John the Twenty Third died, as uh, Pope John the Twenty Third. I remember the nuns crying. The nuns were very upset about that when Pope John the Twenty Third. Well, this Sunday, of course, is they don't call Christ the King anymore. Do this, Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. I think is mm-hmm. the feast day. Right. Uh, so we'll take a little musical break and we'll play, of course, a song that speaks to that. I would imagine we'll hear in every church across the miles to Jesus Christ. Our sovereign king. And when we come back, Tim Glemkowski is going to join us talking about made for mission, how to renew parishes. So stay where you are, friends. More to come on Friday Live.
Well, welcome back, friends. We're happy to have you join us on this beautiful Friday. And uh, Tim Glimkowski is an international speaker and the founder of, and president of Lauto Catholic Institute. He's also the co-founder and president of Revive Parishes, an online formation platform for parish leaders. He has served in various roles in evangelization, including high school theology teacher, youth minister, director of evangelization and catechesis. He's a double major in theology and philosophy at Franciscan University in Steubenville and has a master's in theology from the Augustan Institute in Denver, Colorado. He's written a book called Made for Mission, Renewing Your Parish Culture. We want to welcome to the program Tim Glimkowski. Welcome, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you taking time to both be with us and also write this book. So much need for this right now. You know, we were just reading last week uh, or a couple weeks ago from Pew Research Institute on uh, the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, who are now the major uh, group of, of individuals in our country um, who have no no faith, no religion. And we know our our, our, our Catholic friend, brothers and sisters are leaving the church. And uh, we need to renew uh, the church. And, and that starts in the home and in the parish. So tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write the book. Yeah, I think you've really framed it well. You know, we live in this cultural moment. I think it was just last year that they did a study that for the first time in a long time, Catholics weren't the single largest religious body in the United States. Uh, it was nuns. People who claim no religious affiliation actually passed us up last year, right? So, um, you know, I think everything for me begins with that that realization of just that, that stark uh, realization even that we live in a post-Christian culture now, officially. You know, I'm a member of the much maligned millennial generation, right? And um, I grew up in, a, in a, a, a generation and in a culture that was where to be Catholic, to be religious, always meant that you were, uh, you know, a stranger and a sojourner. And so as the Church undergoes this cultural shift from, you know, kind of existing in a, a culture that in general was more supportive of religious practice and belief to one that is now, you know, um, opposed to it, the cultural pressures are actually, you know, opposite the Church— how do we respond? Yeah, like like you said, at the at the, at the smallest levels, at the level of the individual, the family, and the parish in particular, because that's where real cultural transformation happens. You know, what do we do? What does that look like? That's that's kind of where the book came from, was to answer some of those how questions of how do we begin to to live uh, in a new apostolic age? Um, what does that really look like? I think the book. This is Cheryl here, Tim. Thank you. Hey, Cheryl. Hey. Um, I'm thinking these decreasing numbers, these statistics of people that are, you know, going to a service on Sunday is not just um, indicative of the Catholic Church. I mean, does this not reflect all the denominations, even if they were just made up 50 years ago? I mean, is everyone experiencing having to close their doors or minimize their services? So Catholics are, are seeing it quicker than almost anybody else. Some of the right. mainline Protestant denominations are seeing um, some decline as well. Evangelical Protestant, not to the same degree, and Mormons are actually growing. So there's some, you know, interesting kind of conversations around it, but certainly yeah. I think that's one of the, the, the things is, I think a little bit Catholicism in America in particular, and in, in Western Europe as well, too, any any kind of, the, you know, the Western and Australia and New Zealand have wrestled with similar issues. We've done some work there, and, um, you know, anywhere where, um, in this Christendom setting where we had, you know, kind of Catholic culture was was what was carrying the day, Mm-hmm. Um, as we've watched, then once the once the culture slipped away, um, and if we if there were places where there wasn't a firm emphasis on personal discipleship as the heart of of everything, you know, it all begins with um, this this faith um, that that leads to everything else. I think I think a lot of those um, 
denominations are seeing steady decline. Yeah, so certainly we're not the only ones, right. uh, but it's also not everybody to the degree that we can say, well, this is just, you know, kind of, um, I think there are probably indicators there that we, we have um, kind of failed to meet the cultural moment if without being too negative or, or critical. Right. Now, you mentioned you're a millennial. Cheryl and I are, are baby boomers, and we grew up in a time when uh, of transition in the 60s. But I do remember growing up, uh, and I went to parochial school, and the uh, it was a parish school, and our parish was like the center of all activity. I mean, that's, that's really, that's it. it was your second home. And your book called Made for Mission, Renewing Your Parish Culture, addresses how we can hopefully get back to that type of environment, parish environment. And I, in, in a section of your book, you talk about the four types of parishes and how to uh, diagnose your parish. Can you address that a little bit and how you discuss it in your book? Yeah, that's, that's really, um, you know, we're kind of trying, just trying to take a more specific look at, because not every parish is equal, you know, and the signs and symptoms of decline might be different. Um, across, across different areas. We talk about the four types of parishes, and this is a, a barometer that we use even with Walls at Catholic Institute. The goal for every parish, I think, is to be a growing parish, but really, um, you know, growth in, in the sense that we want parishes to begin experiencing growth is through making disciples, you know, both of those in the pews, but then those outside of the community as well. And, you know, we can make disciples two ways, right? Converts, uh, you know, people who, who have been baptized or, or sacramentalized, and then, you know, helping to evangelize them, and then you know, um, families too and stuff, right? So, so all that is a, a big part of that issue. And then the second type of parish is parish we talk about, the swelling parish, um, which is a parish that might be seeing growth, but it might just be because of demographic reasons. You know, there was a subdivision built here, or I knew one parish where there was a senior center put in um, in that town, and all of a sudden the parish got to like 6,000 families. So there might be a, a, a feeling of growth in the community, but over time, if they're not careful, even swelling parishes, if they don't really commit to the, to the mission to make disciples, can become uh, declining parishes, which is, I think, the majority of parishes in our context that we work with. Now, I just talked to the other day, a very vibrant um, church, you know, a very excellent suburban parish that um, it, in 2012, their average attendance was 3,100 every Sunday, 3,100 people were coming to Mass, and they just took their October count again last year. And or this year, I should say, and in 2019, in only seven years, that number had dropped from 3,100 to 1,900. Oh. Uh, and there's no major reason why. It's just that, you know, if, if there's, so even in that parish, there's still a feeling of, of health in some ways. The school is still filled and, you know, their collection is still fine. It hasn't, you know, dipped too much, but already you can see in 20 years, you know, we might be looking at a demographic cliff. And then the fourth type of parish is, you know, the example I give in the book is my dad's old parish in the south side of Chicago, which is, you know, kind of that similar, that model of, of old parochial life in these urban centers where, you know, you had the Polish parish and the Irish parish and the Italian parish, right? It's, mm-hmm. is they were the Polish community, St. Peter and Paul, and, and very much so now, there's just not a community to sustain that anymore. Right. And in those situations is where some dioceses are having to wrestle with those questions of, um, you know, what do we do with some of these where we have a lot of infrastructure left? But, but what's the best way to use some of those resources to actually be on mission? So that's the core conviction of the book is if we're not on mission, if we're not growing, the default state of the church should be growth. Um, and if we're not doing that, we need to find a way to get back to that core identity of the church. You know, that sounds like Philadelphia, where um, I was teaching and, and playing for a number of years. 
and um, downtown, as when people were growing up, again, people our age and older, it wasn't what street did you live on or, or what school did you go to? It was what, what parish, parish did you go to? Yeah, what, what's your parish? And that would identify yeah. you as a certain region of the city. And again, we had all those multicultural parishes, the German one, the Polish one, the Italian one. And now, as a lot of the people have moved out to the suburbs and it becomes a little bit more of a, a typical inner city, uh, the schools, four of those churches come combined into one school. So it's, you know, they're doing everything they can to survive, but we don't want our, our Catholic brothers and sisters to just survive. We want them to grow. We want them to thrive, and, and they need to renew their faith. And the discipleship, as you mentioned, is the way to go. Unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus, it, you know, what is there solid to hang on to? What are, are, do you have any specific points like for those people that are in the parishes, they might look at these statistics and just look at the whole picture and say, where do we even begin? What's the first thing? What's what's that conversation starter that we think, okay, on a small scale, let's start turning this around? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the question of reform, because in a lot of ways, the overarching concepts that the book addresses are going to be most effective in the hands of, of leaders. You know, parish, diocesan leaders, you know, pastors and staff and different people. Like, this would be a great book for, you know, someone to get for their their pastor and his leadership team to wrestle with and kind of, you know, yeah. chew through some of the topics. But so people have asked me, you know, is there, and I really do think any engaged Catholic could get a lot out of the book, um, just in terms of, like, understanding kind of the problem, because I think everyone feels the problem, like you described, and they're kind of wondering, you know, mm. what, what do we do? But for me, it's, it's, it's all about um, discerning God's particular call to your in your parish to mission is first, you know, recognizing that you have a mission, that God is, 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 has given you some definite calling on your life. It might not have to be a huge thing, but it is to reach a certain amount of people. I think people um, underestimate what can be done in one year or in 10 years and, uh, and overestimate what can be done in one year. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, if you really just committed to building community with some other Catholics, praying together, growing in holiness, uh, and then, finding other people to fold into your community, you know, even just looking at certain parts of the parish and saying, where are people coming to us right now? Where are we receiving people? Because every parish is receiving people in some way, you know, through different sacramental prep, you know, things, marriage prep or baptism prep or, mm-hmm. or wherever. Like, there's always people coming. Right. Look at where they're coming, and then just make a commitment to making sure some of those people stay. Right. You know, just engage with them, get them involved in something, and then eventually help them experience. The core of the book is really about that personal discipleship. Help them experience personal conversion, because that's where we stop sometimes. Is we get content with, oh, someone's engaged at the parish, they're involved, and that's all we really need. But it doesn't go far enough, especially in this current cultural moment. They need to, like you said— you know, encounter Christ personally. Mm-hmm. There's too much in the secular world pulling them in other directions. Yeah, engagement or involvement at some point will just become disengagement and uninvolvement. You know, mm-hmm. if we don't, if there's not a really core why, why would I stay Catholic? Because, yeah, it, when, when to live as a Catholic is, is that countercultural, then you need a really compelling why to keep you in the church, um, as opposed to a really compelling why to leave, which I think was how it was the case for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been talking with Tim Glomkowski. The book is called Made for Mission, Renewing Your Parish Culture. It's published by our Sunday visitor, osv.com is their website. You can find out about it there. Uh, Tim, great work, and and uh, I'm always impressed when, when uh, I said these young millennials who yes. are on fire with the faith, giving great witness, uh, that shows that there is a lot of hope for our church. 
Thanks so much. Yeah, we're doing our best out here. So keep praying for us. We will. Thanks, Tim. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. And friends, you stay where you are. We're going to come back with more in just a bit. Don't go away. Nice having a live orchestra I, I in the studio, say, I was isn't that, it? I was gonna, wouldn't it be nice if that was Jim's intro? But no, we have this. God gave us <laughs> night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us. 
All right, that's his very own fanfare. No other weatherman in the entire country has his own jingle like Jim does. That's right. Hi, Jim. That's correct. Hey, how's it going? Happy uh, Friday. Yes, we wait for these Fridays. Mm-hmm. You How know, we're you? saying we're getting we're getting up in age, and and we're finding ourselves. This is the last thing we do during the course of our work week, and we're like dozing off before, <laughs> before we go on the air. Should we take a nap? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so hence the uh, coffee. Mm-hmm. But we're fine. And how are how are you? Good. Doing well. well. You could actually do that. Take a nap, can't you? Because can't you automate uh, the the radio? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. We could. We could. We could yeah. do a little. I do. I do a little. I do a little. Uh, a little uh, dozing with Jesus across the hall in the chapel sometimes. There you go. There you go. As, as someone once said, that's right. Yeah, but yeah. as someone once said, that's, you know, if you think about sleeping and, and when you're in adoration, but that's how the first holy hour was made when uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you stay awake with me for one hour? <laughs> anyway, Jim, happy to have you back. Feeling well, hip, hip, hip working well. Hip, hip, hooray. Yes, hip, hip. Uh, be a month, uh, it'll be four weeks on Monday. So uh, okay. I'm getting around, doing okay. So, uh, you know, not 100%, but uh, thanks for asking. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll take it well. slow. Do what the doctor says. Glad you're well. I know what yeah, I, 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 I... The I, doctor pegged me pretty quickly because um, he knows that I'm not, not a very patient person. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that I, I want to, you know, get going probably too, too quickly. Sooner uh, rather than later, did, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So if you take it easy, you know, you've got plenty of time to heal. So that's what I'm doing. Well, good for you. Good for you. So I know when I, when I, sometimes when it's going to rain and it's damp and cold, my shoulder bothers me. So my shoulder was aching last yeah. night. So they did say that when it gets cold out, um, the, the hip will bother me because it's made out of metal. But I'm thinking it's surrounded by war- cozy, warm tissue. So <laughs> that's, that's the right. cold. The cold would have to get through that before it you got know, to the metal. But I don't know. Anyway. It might help your weather forecasting. That's right. Another there added device there you could help help forecast the weather with. Sure. The National Weather Service is saying snow, but my hip is telling me something <laughs> different. That's right. That's uh, right. And that's the way to always go with your hip. Always go with your hip. <laughs> yep. <laughs> shoot, shoot from the hip, as they say. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I know we were out earlier. We ran to the post office, and it was damp and drizzly and... Mm. Typical November. Yeah, well, we had a uh, we had a front come through. So um, if you look in the sky, you'll see some clearing, some some puffy clouds around. So that cold front is through, and the the wind picked up. Leaves are blowing around. So be careful on those roadways because those leaves are going onto the the wet roadway and could become some slick. Yes. Um, but tonight, so any lingering showers that we have, they'll end mostly clear going to get down to about uh, the upper 20s, maybe about 30 degrees tonight in the area. Whoa. Tomorrow, Saturday, sunny, high near 47 degrees. Saturday night, we get back into the rain, 90% chance of rain, low in the upper 30s. And then Sunday, 70% chance of that rain continuing just in the morning. Otherwise, it's going to be mostly cloudy throughout the day with a high just under 50 degrees, about 48 or so. Uh, and then Sunday night, partly cloudy. Low around freezing, and then Monday mostly sunny with a high near 51 degrees. And I'm sure we're, you know, everyone's interested in what it's going to be like uh, for the holiday on Thanksgiving this Thursday. So right now it's it's still a bit far out, but not looking too bad. Mostly sunny, high near 48. That could change, so stay tuned. But um, not not too bad. Looking not bad. Good. Not bad parade it's weather good. though, right? 
Yeah. Pretty good parade weather. Yeah, yeah. Right, because they're always concerned, especially in New York City, with the wind blowing and, you know, those balloons that they carry that they don't lift the the handlers up and out into space. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's true. true. I think I told you last year, on previous year, my dad, who grew up in Weehawken, said that in the early days of that Thanksgiving Day parade, Macy's, they would let those balloons go when the parade was over. Wow. And they'd go out to oh, sea. They'd, go out, they'd blow out to the ocean. It's probably not an environmentally <laughs> acceptable practice right now. I don't think they had, as, maybe they weren't as big or as, as elaborate, but imagine like Snoopy flying by over an ocean liner out there. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, well, Jim, thank you so very much, and, and I hope that you and your family have a beautiful and happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, of course, we're not going to be here next Friday because it is the day after, so we'll see you in a couple weeks then. All right, and um, a blessed Thanksgiving to you and yours as well. Thanks very much. It's always fun talking to you on Friday. It's my favorite day of the week. Oh, good. We too. Thanks, Jim. God bless you. Thank you. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way. Like you and me, and now they're the saint of the day. Saint of the day. All right, saint of the day. Every Friday we play Saint of the Day, and that means uh, Cheryl's going to give you clues about a particular saint, not Saint Cecilia, not the saint liturgical saint of the day. It's a saint we've chosen to be our saint of the day. And uh, as she reads the clues, think carefully. And um, when she says, this is the last clue, before she gives the last clue, she'll alert you. This is the last clue. Then you can call 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. And you can guess who today's Saint of the Day is. And someone always wins Saint of the Day. So listen. I wonder if it inspires people to read up on their saints. I hope. You know? Because we want this not only to be fun, but also educational. Right. We're an educational station, <laughs> right, aren't we? That's right. We are. <laughs> we are. So, again, Cheryl will give the clues. Listen carefully. And when she says this is the last clue, you can call us at 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-TALK. So now let's play saint of the day and of course as jim mentioned it is not my favorite saint cecilia who we celebrate liturgically today but it's another great woman of the church she was a cistercian nun and is one of the most lovable german saints from medieval times she was born in 1256 nothing is known of her family not even the name of her parents she had devoted herself to study with the greatest ardor through her writings She will remain for all ages a guide to the interior life. At the age of five, taken to a convent in spite of much ill health. Today's saint used her exceptional natural talents well. She knew Latin fluently. And when she was 25 years old, Christ began to appear to her and to disclose to her the secrets of mystical union. She saw Jesus in person in the form of a marvelous adolescent who said to her, I have come to comfort you and bring you salvation. 
From that moment on, she was solely concerned with living in full union with Jesus. One day, Jesus said to her, it would be good to make known to men and women how they would benefit from remembering that I, the Son of God and of the Blessed Virgin Mary, always stand before God for the salvation of the human race, and that should they commit some sin through their weakness, I offer my unblemished heart to the Father for them. Obeying a divine wish, she put into writing the favors of grace bestowed upon her. Outwardly, her life was that of the simple Benedictine nun, humble, always happy and smiling, with a loving heart for all. She sparkled with trust, joy, and peace, and led everyone to the Lord. Her most important work, Legatus Divine Pietatis, translates to the Herald of Divine Love, is distinguished for theological profundity, sublime poetry, and unusual clarity. How that work stimulates love of God can be felt only by reading it. And this is The Last Clue. 609-493-8255. She is invoked for souls in purgatory and for living sinners. Our Lord told her that a special prayer would release 1,000 souls from purgatory each time it is said. 609-493-8255. That last clue was the clincher. Mm -hmm. You should know that. The prayer that releases a thousand souls from purgatory. And we do have a contestant on the line. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Krista. I'm calling from Howell, New Jersey. Crystal? You say? Krista. 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 Okay, Krista from Howell. Very good, Krista. And who do you think today's saint of the day is? Is it St. Gertrude? There you go, Krista. Very good. It is St. Gertrude. Say that prayer this month and any month and release a thousand souls from purgatory. Is that the clue that gave it away for you, Krista? Yes, that gave it to me. Yeah. I wasn't sure, okay. but I, yeah, I waited to the last clue. Good for you. Good for you. Now, what parish are you with over there in Howell? Uh, St. Veronica's, on Route 9. Okay. Yes. Very yeah, good. Very good. Well, we appreciate you playing. You are the winner today then. St. Gertrude is the answer. She is our saint of the day. Krista, I'm going to put you on hold for a moment, and Cheryl will get on the phone and get uh, your information so we can send you a prize, okay? Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving. God <laughs> Thank, bless you. Thank God you. God bless you. No, don't hang, don't hang, hang up. On. Stay where you are. We'll be right with you. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. We're going to come back with more Friday Live. Don't go away.
Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Elvis lives. <laughs> and he is apparently in this building. He is. Is he? You see? <laughs> well, it sounds like oh, it. <laughs> yeah. Elvis has, Elvis has left the building. Where is that from? They used to say that when he would, because he was so popular, when he'd give his concerts out. At the and, concert uh, venue. That they would tell him that he's left the building, so don't, don't hang around anymore. He's gone. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. Well, you know. Speaking he, about uh, concerts, people need to send us now things that are happening. I'm starting to see, well, on Christmas Facebook, concerts. Yeah, Christmas or even you know Advent musical reflections. Christmas concerts in January or late December or whenever you're having something. Let us know. Yeah, uh, um, you're having uh, carols, lessons and carols. Lessons and carols. Mm-hmm. It's a Sunday evening, December fifteenth at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And for people that, I think most people know what they are. I mean, it's from an English tradition, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Charles Dickens did it. Episcopalian <laughs> or something. But I don't know. It, I think that it stems from another faith tradition. But I think it's used across the board in all faiths now. Basically a telling of the Christmas story in scripture and song. Mm. A reading and then a carol, whether it's a congregational hymn type or a choir offering. Nine lessons and carols is usually the way. Like, well, you know what's going to happen this year because Thanksgiving is so late. It's there's less than a month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's going to Christmas go fast. is going to go very. Advent yeah. is going to go very fast. Christmas yeah. is going to be here before you know it. But I, if I can just say that, if people are looking to go to something mm-hmm. like that, and you're in the Flemington area, it's going to be at Saint Magdalene de Pazzi Church on Mine Street in mm-hmm. Flemington, and you can always call or write to me here if you want further information. But that's a Sunday night, December fifteenth at seven o'clock. We're gonna have Christmas cookies afterward and Ooh. cider. Mm. It's very nice. So if you have something, go to our bulletin board, and that's at domesticchurchmedia.org. Just post it on there, and I'll uh, have to post it on the bulletin. Is it? Po- did you post it? No, I'm so See? bad about that. That's the thing. If you don't post it, we don't know about it. And in fact, if I do have opportunity during the week on my program or even here to make announcements, that's where I get them from. I go to the bulletin board. Right. See what's on our bulletin board. That's right. how we found uh, that young man from last uh, week from Saint uh, Bartholomew's. Exactly. His because he concert. posted it. On he the posted board. on the on the bulletin board. So. Yeah. So don't be like me, friends. Go to the bulletin board. Post and Put the material on there. It's easy to do. I just haven't done it. So this this Sunday is the feast of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. It used to be called Christ the King. You know. The last day. Last, the last Sunday. Sunday of the liturgical year, because liturgically, ordinary time still goes through next Saturday, next Saturday November thirtieth, before the vigil mass mm-hmm. for for the first Sunday in Advent. Right. I wonder if there's like a time, a cutoff time. Three. Well, don't they say like for you know you you, should, you can't have the mass before a certain time right. as a vigil? I thought the vigil was supposed to be after sunset. I mean, legally. Mm, I think it's. I don't even think four, but I know parishes have a four o'clock Saturday vigil, maybe five. And we know parishes that have a three o'clock Christmas Eve vigil, which is like a <laughs> come on. Unless that's you get really special, pushing it. You know, special permission from the bishop, which means then you would have so many masses that you need another one, and that's the only place to put it. But I can't imagine that's the case. And I know that a lot of parishes, like your parish, does as well. They have simultaneous masses going on on Christmas Eve. You know, right. But I was thinking when when I went to St. Peter's up in New Brunswick, which was my home parish, we, there would be mass upstairs and downstairs, ten fifteen on a Sunday, every Sunday. Oh, every Sunday. Oh my! 
Upstairs would be the organ and the, the traditional, and downstairs they had a folk group. Oh. So two masses of the same. This is how many people On were coming typical to typical ordinary time Sundays. every Sunday. And I remember, like, I'd be because I, I would, I would, my brother and I would would do the uh, lecturing, and um, you would hear every now and then downstairs the tambourine. <laughs> but I mean, imagine that, like. On every Sunday, the need for, and there were other masses, obviously, too, on the regular Sunday right, schedule. Right, that wasn't the only mass. No, this was the mid-morning 10-15 mass, and there was one upstairs and one downstairs at the same time. And, and both to, both full. Yeah, listen to Tim right? with how do we get people back to even have one mass. And I'm talking, season. we're talking like In 40, 40 years ago, yeah. I mean, not not a long time, you know, considerably, not, 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 not a long time ago. Mm. But imagine that we're both... You know, there was a there was a need to have two masses simultaneous at the same time, and St. Peter's was not the only parish in New Brunswick. There's, I mean, you could walk you could walk to <laughs> to St. Ladislaus or St. Mary's or Sacred right. Heart. You know, so that's 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 the the scary thing about the church. You know, decline mm-hmm. over the past you know two and generations. So many churches, the older churches were built that way. There was an upper church right. and a lower church yeah. because of that need, not yeah. just Christmas and Easter. No, no. And so it was. Uh, I I forget why I began to think about that. I was thinking and said, I remember that now. Yeah, there was a mass upstairs and a mass downstairs on this every Sunday, every Sunday, not just Christmas or Easter and. Uh, and again, too, when you think about that and, and the fact that there were other churches within walking distance. And enough priests to do that. Yeah, we had three priests at our at our parish at St. Peter's. Um, and, uh, you know, a visitor would come in every but but the three priests who were there. It's, it's just, it's, it's sad. And so uh, we're going to talk next hour. Um, of course, Father Jim Grogan will be here to give his reflection on Sunday's gospel for the Feast of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. <laughs> But later on, uh, next hour, Mike Walsh and Marianella Nunez will join us from the Diocese of Camden to talk about their podcast, Talking Catholic, and a special announcement about that. Also, Jim Papandria is going to talk about the early church, a book he's written on the early church, which, again, if we look at it, I've always said I've always enjoyed Acts of the Apostles because of that very reason. It was a vibrancy of the church, and it was a a great growth in the church in that first couple of centuries. So. Jim will join us uh, later on as well. So I think Jim and Tim, made for mission, need to have a chat yeah, and come up together. with a, a, a right. com, you know, combined a plan book. That's right. You know, how did they do it way back then? And maybe you know, what can we do now to renew the current right. crisis in our Catholic Church? So we'll take a break and be back with another hour of Friday Live. So don't go away. Right back.
Hi, this is Len Dio, founder of the Family Policy Council with today's New Jersey Family Minute on a safe haven. Religious freedom is in the very marrow of the bones of the USA. Religious freedom was the driving force that led the pilgrims to leave their homeland to escape the bond of a government-controlled Church of England, a belief so important they left family, security, and all comforts behind as they ventured into an untamed wilderness on the shores of North America. They were determined to practice their Christian faith and live out their deeply held religious convictions. From that moment on, America has been a beacon for religious freedom. The mission of the New Jersey Family Policy Council is to offer educational seminars, research information, and programs to help build strong families. For the New Jersey Family Policy Council, this is Bob Dittmer. Would you like to find out more about parish events and devotions, prayer group, and school activities in your area? Then check out the Catholic Community Bulletin Board on our website. You'll find up-to-date information about events happening throughout our listening area. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. If you have an event you'd like us to promote, you can post it there as well. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. You and I must be imitators of Jesus. We are victims sometimes of circumstances, as he was here. But it was all accepted as the Father's holy will. That is holiness. So try to pray. How much time do you spend watching soap operas or television that really isn't good television? Or just kind of laying around? Say, well, I need to relax. I find prayer very relaxing. You can kick your shoes off and and just sit there and talk to the Lord. He's your friend. You don't have to be on your dignity. You don't have to get up before four, but there's many times during the day you can pray. In your car, when you're picking up the kids, on your way to the office. Let us be Jesus-oriented. He loves you. 
The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Pope Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, uh, friends, for another hour of Friday Live on this November 22nd, 2019, the Feast of St. Cecilia. And just about a little less than a week now, well, Thanksgiving was a week from yesterday. That's right. So a week from today is Black Friday. We must Which have, I don't think it has that much, that much of an impact anymore. I went to the mall the other day to get a gift for someone, and they had signs everywhere why wait for Black Friday? Mm-hmm. You know, not everything right then was 50% off. Yeah. No need to wait for Black Friday. In the days when there was no virtual shopping, no Amazon, no other So they're competing services. with that. Ver- you know, you're going to stay home. You're going to shop from the catalog. The mall has to like be in, in competition with that. So they're starting their sales now. Yeah, it's kind of silly. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, because you know, we do our well. I do my Christmas shopping. Just Amazon, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I like to go out. I like the shopping experience. I like to look. I've I like never to walk. liked shopping. I've but never not on ever Black liked Friday. shopping. Friday, you won't find me there. There's got to be. A, well, there's always alternative things. Now I haven't seen commercials because in the past there have been commercials for you know open at midnight or whatever or Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day at, at seven p.m. Yeah. yeah, right. I've not seen a lot of that, mm. which I'm which is I'm glad because I thought it was awful. They would make people work on Thanksgiving Day. But I know. Yeah. Anyway, the world is changing. Hopefully for the better eventually. But we're going to pray right now uh, the uh, gospel for this coming Sunday, which is the last Sunday in uh, our liturgical calendar, the Feast of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, and our uh, be followed up by our, our reflection today by our friend Father Jim Grogan uh, f- from Fairhaven. So. so this is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The rulers sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the 2004 movie, Miracle, there's a powerful scene where the USA Olympic hockey team has just had an embarrassing game against Sweden. Trying to bring his team to the highest level of readiness and focus to play, post-game, Coach Herb Brooks is putting his players through a brutal drill. The intensity of the drill is breaking down the players, some collapsing on the ice after each sprint. As a backdrop to this moment, earlier in the film, the coach had asked the players to introduce themselves to their teammates, and each shared his name, hometown, and the college team they played for in their regular seasons. As you might expect, some of these elite players arrived at the Olympic team with strong inter-college rivalries. When we get to the moment of the drills, the movie, in a sense, pauses when Mike Aruzioni, team captain, calls out his name and hometown. Coach Brooks then asks, who do you play for? To which Aruzioni calls back, I play for the United States of America. This has powerful meaning for the captain and the team. Earlier, Brooks had reminded them that the name on the front of their jersey was far more important than their own name on the back of the jersey. When Pope Pius XI decreed the Feast of Christ the King to be a permanent solemnity in our liturgical calendar in 1925, the world was in chaos. In the global view, in the years following World War I, the great war that was supposed to end all wars, countries were struggling, economies were faltering, and strife seemed to be everywhere, especially across Europe. Pope Pius was concerned that much of the national sentiment was, in fact, opposed to Catholic teaching about the kingdom of God. He wrote in his encyclical, this kingdom is opposed to none other than that of Satan and the power of darkness. It, the kingdom of God, demands of its subjects a spirit of detachment from riches and earthly things, and a spirit of gentleness. The result, the Pope warned, was that human society was on the brink of collapse because it had lost its secure foundations. We could reflect that the same circumstances remain prevalent today, nearly 100 years later. You and I are welcomed as citizens of the kingdom of God. We're invited to have this be our team, as it were, the name on the front of our jersey. Serving and flourishing within the kingdom of God is within our reach, but it takes practice. We need to practice our faith. We need to practice our faith every day through hard trials and perseverance. We need to recognize and affirm that God comes first and that his commands are the solid foundation on which we can and should build up our civil society, too. In recognizing Jesus Christ as our king, this feast, the Pope decreed, should invite each person to have Christ reign in our minds, in our will, and in our hearts and bodies. Pope Pius wrote that in promulgating this feast, his intent was to remind nations as well as individuals 
but they are subject to the will and laws of God. In our gospel, we have the story of the good thief, Dismas, whose plea before God is simple and reflect words of both contrition for his sins and humility before Jesus Christ, his King. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he asks. Each one of us would do well to recall the most important team we are on, the team of disciples in the kingdom of God. God, who always watches over us, is really the only one who needs to know the name on the back of our jerseys. May we, each day, give praise to our heavenly king by competing in our lives with honor, truth, with honesty and tenderness. May mercy and forgiveness be our strongest traits, just as Jesus told that thief raised on Calvary with him, this day you will be with me in paradise. We've each been chosen by God to be on his team. May we practice our faith with courage and integrity, so that his name is glorified. May the grace of God create in us minds and hearts passionate about playing for Team God. From this mountain, the Lord will provide. On this mountain, the Lord will destroy death forever and the power of hell will never prevail. God's justice and peace will sustain. For God's perfect love shall reign. All you who thirst, come to the water. Without money, come eat and drink. Why waste your money on foolish things? Why spend your wages on what fails to satisfy? Ascend the mountain of the Lord. Live the Thank you.
Well, welcome back, friends. We're happy to have you joining us today on this uh, beautiful Friday uh, before Thanksgiving. And we want to welcome to the program now um, two individuals who are going to be joining us as part of our Domestic Church Media broadcast family here from the Diocese of Camden. Uh, Mike Walsh, who's the Director of Communications. Thank you, And uh, Marianela Nunez. Uh, one of his co-hosts, and they produce a program that will, be, as I said, be airing here on our stations called Talking Catholic. It debuts this uh, December 1st, Sunday at 11 a.m., and then the following day, uh, Monday at 4 p.m., and every Sunday at 11, every Monday at 4, you'll be hearing Talking Catholic with Mike Walsh and occasionally Marinella and your two other co-hosts. So welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, our two other co-hosts couldn't be here today. Uh, one is uh, heading off to NCYC, and that's Carrie Janice. She's uh, going to be with uh, two busloads of young people going to the Youth Congress, so <laughs> let's all pray for Carrie. And then uh, um, our other co-host is Mary McCusker, who's under the weather today, uh, unfortunately, so let's pray for her as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's uh, she's the communications manager at uh, Catholic Charities in Camden, and She's a delight. Actually, I'm very happy. I have three of the best co-hosts you could ever have. <laughs> Present company excluded, of course. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I married mine, so. <laughs> I'm not going down that path. Thank you, Mike. I already have a permanent co-host. There in that you area. go. That's right. That's Thank right. you so much for having us, Jim. Oh, we're happy Cheryl. to have you here. And, and this uh, began as a podcast a couple of years ago, right? It did, yeah. Uh, my uh, my former fellow co-host and I, um, Pete Sanchez, who still co-hosts our Talking Saints Catholic uh podcast, which is a, a 15-minute monthly podcast that we do uh, just on a given saint on every, any particular day. We started up, we were both big podcast listeners. We have the, I probably listened to about 20 different shows, and, and Pete probably listened to the same, and none of them were similar in any way. And we, we were like, you know, a podcast would really be great for getting... Just finding a new way of communicating with people uh, with a very low threshold to meet to actually make it happen. So I'm proud to say we're up to our 150th episode. Actually, uh, the first mm-hmm. episode we do on DCM will be a hundred, our 150th episode. All so right. Well, there you very go. Very excited about that. Well, yes. congratulations and happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Thank and you. it's great. It brings such um, fresh air to our programming. You know, people like to look for some different shows and everything. And so and it's local. great. Local, local mm-hmm. voices is the most important thing. Marianella, how did you get your start? Now, how long have you been at the diocese? Uh, so I've been at the diocese for like five years now. I do the Latino Enrollment Initiative for the Catholic Schools Office. Mm-hmm. And so Mike Walsh is always trying to steal me from our office. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been co-hosting uh Talking Catholic uh, just recently, uh, formally, uh, but I was a guest many times for the show. Guest right, and Mike? guest co-host several times. And, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy, you know, uh, doing this. So Mike is using my skills, I guess. <laughs> and she has a she has a background in other broadcasting as well. She uh, there's a, another show in South Jersey that she'll be a regular guest on, and I saw her on that for the first time. and went. Wow, she's very polished. I think we can find something <laughs> else in addition to the school's office for yeah. Marianella to do. Great. Yes, yes. And right now I'm also like um, hosting a uh, Hispanic show. It's called Compartiendo Tu Don for those uh, that are uh, Spanish speakers over there. And um, I think, you know, it, we, we were trying to bring, um, you know, the Catholic faith uh, to our Hispanic population, not only for the diocese, but whoever would like to listen to, uh, you know, the different Hispanic ministries around our diocese and things that people do to leave their faith. Uh, mm-hmm. And our show is called Compartiendo Tu Don, which means uh, sharing your gift. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know how Catholic people share their gifts, uh, how the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit come to life and what they do and what they, they leave, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's an opportunity for them to realize these are God-given gifts, and I want to give them back to my church community. Mm-hmm. And it just builds community, and it builds that family feel. And, you know, that was the that was really always um, the, the genesis of the podcast to begin with. Uh, Talking Catholic was never, never intended to be about the hosts, right? It was always intended to to give us um, put a spotlight on people who were really talented in our parishes and in our diocese, but actually we've actually extended it into the region and, and beyond, um, who don't maybe get the notoriety that they deserve, but more importantly are really doing great work in the diocese that, mm-hmm. that needs to be emulated. Mm-hmm. So all of our guests, yeah, I come like, all right, so you, you, Jim, you probably get this from time to time. You're like, man, that was a great show. Man, that was a great show. Man, that was a great show. No, I, I never I get that. <laughs> well, I, we have a lot of great shows. None of them have anything to do with me, though. No. It's our guests right. are outstanding, right. um, and yes. we have had very few repeat guests because there really are a lot of wonderful people in the diocese mm-hmm. doing great work that, and work that I would like to see mimicked elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this gives them a platform for doing that. So t- let's talk a little bit about it again, f- listeners. The, the program is called Talking Catholic. It's going to be on our stations here uh, beginning on December first, Sundays at eleven, and then Mondays at four p.m. We'll, we'll repeat. Tell us a little bit about, you mentioned guest interviews. It's, a, it's an interview program, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you bring in people from all walks all of life. All walks and, of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a fan of uh, the long-form podcast and long-form interviews in general, uh, going back to the, you know, Charlie Rose days mm-hmm. and, and things like that. I, I can just sit and listen to people talk for 50 minutes, mm-hmm. so... When we came up with the podcast idea, you know, the beauty of a podcast is there are no real rules, really. Right. And our, our podcast is very authentic in the sense right. that we keep it kind of loose. For yeah. instance, we record, unlike your beautiful studio, we record in a, in a bank vault. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, in the vault. And it is a legitimate bank vault that's in my, uh, in my office. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was used. Our, our building used to be Camden Catholic High School, the original Camden Catholic High School. Oh, okay. High school used to be a bank. Down. <laughs> well, no, anyway, so that was the records vault for I the see. high school. Okay. Okay. Well, ever since then, it's been lying vacant. It's been used for storage. And I, when I came to work for the diocese four years ago, I said, man, I looked at it. This would make a great recording studio. Mm-hmm. Is it because of the sound? It's, yeah. it's thick walls? It is thick walls, so it keeps sound out. Um, we need to put, put a little bit of material up to keep the, the stuff from bouncing, the noise from bouncing around a little mm-hmm. bit. So it's not a perfect studio yet, but we're working on it. But mm-hmm. the door. But it Talk qu- about the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When that door shuts, <laughs> we, you, know it. you know it's shut. Yeah. And people uh-huh. do get a little nervous, and so I leave it slightly ajar. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. A little sound oh, gets in, but it's a, it's a perfect vo- it's a it's a perfect recu- recording studio sure. for us. And um, you know, it, you know, my biggest concern at the very beginning was, you know, how are we gonna how are we gonna? I mean, we're gonna do this for as long as we can, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how are we gonna get people to to come onto this thing? How many people? Like, how, who am I gonna have to pay to get here? Right. Mm-hmm. And it, that hasn't been the case. No, we people just love coming on mm-hmm. and. I shouldn't say that they love it for vanity's purposes. They love it for just the opportunity to tell their story. Right, exactly. And, and the knowing, message, you know? Yeah, the and, then, and the fact that mm. we just go on and on and on. So mm-hmm. uh, it, for, for you, the, the podcast will be 55 minutes for mm-hmm. domestic church media. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we're in the past, sometimes we were a little like 45, mm-hmm. and then sometimes we were, our longest one was two and a half hours. Wow. Now, I can mm-hmm. tell you that that one wasn't necessarily catholic in nature uh a number we also occasionally touch on pop culture and mm-hmm. a, a bunch of us who have been on the podcast many times are marvel fans ah, so when okay. marvel endgame came out we did a dedicated show just for the final chapter of the uh the marvel cinematic universe at now that did time. they have to come in costume <laughs> i made them not come it's in radio costume. <laughs> oh, that's right. who would see though yeah that's the one thing uh one of my one of my colleagues is always chastising me he's like much like your show he's always like you should put a camera up in the corner and i go there you go 
John, this face is not. This is a face for radio. Nah, this is not. Nah, a, nah, Marianella nah. has a face for TV. Uh, I do not have a face. It's no, funny but, because you used to, the old days, you know, I used to. You know, who care? Who cared what, what you wear to work? You know, mm-hmm. right. you doing radio, but now I have to like. When did I? When did I wear this shirt? I have to look and see what what shows I wore it last year. So it's not the <laughs> same. <trend>. <laughs> I, I very rarely appear with my tie done up. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually have to go to the bathroom. I need to get this tie right because it right. be a. And it used to be able to hide too. I remember I was I was mm-hmm. at mass over here at the cathedral about a year or so ago, and I was. Somebody, Jim, and I said, and I and he said, I listen to your show all the time. I said, you know, in the old days, you wouldn't even know who Jim was, like right. the old Wolfman Jack, you know, hiding up in the. In the in, oh sure, <laughs> yeah, you had no idea what they looked right. like. The first time you saw one of your favorite radio guys in public, you were like, wow, that is not the voice that exactly. went with that face right. ever. Right. Exactly, <laughs> ever. That's exactly. Yeah, they they it. would tell Jim, right. I pictured this like six and a half yeah. foot. Sven I literally had someone say to me, I always thought you were taller. Taller well, and blonde. the video. It's that just, baritone voice. That's it, right. It, I guess yeah. so. I said, I always thought I was taller, too, but apparently not. <laughs> See, I'm 6'2 and nasal. Who knows yeah, what they yeah, That's right. That's the beauty of social media. It's, my picture's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about that vault. That you could almost call it from the vault because now you're sharing God's treasures, God's riches. That's an excellent know? way of putting it. Think, think about that. And probably for everyone that comes into interview, they might share with you, well, I know someone that does X, Y, or Z. They would be a good guest. It really, you, the guest list is eternal. You know what? That's exactly what happens. After we we're done, or sometimes on the air, they'll, they'll suggest mm-hmm. somebody to us, and we'll reach out to them in the next month or yeah. two and, and try to get them on. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Now, the other, the other strange element to it is very rarely do we have anybody that would be considered a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all you know, rank-and-file good soldiers, right? Some, yeah. some people have more notoriety than others, but, um, but all, like we've never had the bishop on. Bishop is you know, mm-hmm. 100 feet away from me. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, and it was actually kind of a conscious decision um, because the bishop is, our bishop is always out there. He's a, he's a man of the people. He's mm-hmm. always out in the public. And he mm-hmm. does his regular column. He's a, he's a great face of the diocese. So eventually we will have him on, I, I will tell you that. But... Um, but I've just wanted he's to waiting. highlight. He's waiting. <laughs> he did tell Marianella recently, I can't have him got my invitation. Yet. I'm like, oh, it's okay. My invitation <laughs> is lost in the mail. <laughs> Bishop is coming soon. But it's, yeah. but it's, you know, I've always wanted to really talk to the people, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. since he's a person of the people, it felt like a, a sort of an extension of him in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he's someone who's always been about getting the spotlight on the people in our parishes and in our schools and in our ministries who mm-hmm. are doing all the great work. That's what we do with the Catholic Star Herald, which is our diocesan newspaper, right. which the Talking mm-hmm. Catholic is an extension of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are very much a, a podcast of and for the people. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. great. We're, we're certainly looking forward to having you join us. And uh, as I said, for me, it's important to have local, quality local programming that uh, people can listen to. And, you know, because as if we talked earlier, you know, with all the many platforms that are out there, anybody can listen to anything anytime. Yeah. And but yes. when you have local programming that is only one or two places to get it, that's important because people especially in the church, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Mike, now as director of communications for the Camden Diocese, you understand the importance of of these types of opportunities for for the church. It, you know, it's it's probably the thing I don't the thing I want to work on the most and I don't get the chance to work on very often is finding new ways of communicating important information to the people. The Talking Catholic podcast by its very nature is very positive. We don't get into a lot of red flag mm-hmm, conversations. Right. Not that we avoid them, um, but I always want to showcase the positive because there's so much positive going mm-hmm, on out there. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to normal news and read the paper, and it's, it's very negative. Uh, and I want to give people hope mm-hmm. as part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Marinella, it's it's the same for you with with uh, your show, your YouTube show. It's w- everything we're doing is to focus on all the good that's out there because mm-hmm. there is so much good out right. there. Don't become 
don't become jaded like me of all the negativity <laughs> right. that we have to surround ourselves on a, on a regular right. basis. So yeah, so we have a lot of avenues within the diocese that have grown over the last four or five years. And I was thrilled when we got the Spanish. I, I can't tell you how happy I am. I was when we got the Spanish language YouTube show. Mm -hmm. It was something that was in gestating for about a year. And when it, I'm not saying it was Marinella's fault, but uh, we were gestating for about me. a year. <laughs> but get, so you, as you know, sometimes get these, getting these things done take takes longer than thing, you would yeah, yeah, we, we really feel very blessed to have this opportunity with mm -hmm. uh, domestic church media because uh, we want our message to spread as much as it can. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we show light to the world by yeah. doing what we're doing. And as Mike was mentioning, there's a lot of negativity in the world. And also, um, you know, the, being Catholic is hard nowadays, right? Yeah. And so we want to portray people who are Catholic, who are doing great work and, and the blessing that this is for, mm -hmm. for our people. And, you know, we, maybe we would get some conversions out of that. You that's know? right. And, and that's the hope. That's right. I've, I've said that often, you know, no, the, 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 the vision or the, the impression of the ch church that we give to people through how we act, how we behave, mm -hmm. our witness, nobody wants to join a, a church filled with miserable people. You know, so <laughs> yes. We're supposed to be a church we're filled with Catholic. joy. That's right. We're supposed to be joyful. So let's 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 broadcast that. Let's people let yep. people see that. Right, that we're a joyful people. Mm -hmm. I mean, so often, and again, it's what you hear in the secular media. People will say, "Oh, how how could you be Catholic? How could you, you know, it be must part be of that club to be Catholic." I said, actually, quite the opposite. Yeah, you know. And then you tune in and hear the people that are on the front lines, that are in the trenches, that are doing what they do above and beyond their family obligations, their work obligations, and then they give their gifts. Yeah. to help their church community joyfully, mm -hmm. freely. Yeah. And it's just an inspiration. And so the people that you might have on will inspire others in other dioceses across the state, across who knows where, the listening airwaves, you know, right. to say, wow, that, that, that they, they sound like they really have a great thing going. That's Let's right. try that here. We don't know the possibilities. Uh, you've just you know, surmise exactly what I want everything that we create to be about. And and I know that there are difficulties out there. And, you know, in the Star Herald, we have to report on those sometimes as well. But, but man, be inspired, mm -hmm. you know, right. yeah. be engaged. Right. Right. Go, mm -hmm. go. I mean, we all have bad days, but listen to something that's going to give you hope and steal a couple of ideas. I'm a firm believer, you know, there's an old axiom, you know, Good writers borrow, great writers steal. <laughs> you know, I steal every idea. Every idea. I've stolen ideas from you for, from the best of church media. Good, and a good, lot of things good. you do here. It's like, I'm all about. I'll keep coming up with them then. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we, I want to come see your vault. Uh, you oh. are actually. We were talking about that. that yes. We have to make sure that we have the both of you into the vault at some time whenever Officially you're available. Officially invited. Oh, okay. okay. Well, Jim has been on the podcast uh, once before have, when we right. did. Uh, we did. It a, was in a, a, a venue, on right? tap. Yes, yeah, the we did a theology on okay. tap that uh -huh. we uh, sort of you recorded uh, that. siphoned off. Yeah, yes. and, and okay. put that on the podcast. Yeah. But Cheryl, we absolutely have to have the both into All the vault. I promise we will not lock you in. Well, we're certainly looking forward to having you join us again, listeners. We've been talking with Mike Walsh, the director of communications for the Diocese of Camden and also the host of Talking Catholic, and also Marianella Nunez, one of his co-hosts, joins us today. Uh, the program, again, is called Talking Catholic. It's going to air beginning on uh, Sunday, December 1st at 11 a.m., and then on uh, Monday at 4 p.m. So every Sunday at, at 11, every Monday at 4, you'll hear Talking Catholic with Mike Walsh and uh, occasionally Marianella Nunez and your other two co-hosts. So we look forward to having you join us, and thanks for coming up. Jim, we're thrilled to be on, on the broadcast network, and we can't wait to get it started. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, our pleasure. God bless you both, and we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch with you regularly now, so that's great. Great.
And friends, you stay where you are. Going to come back with more. Don't go away. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go to goodshop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit goodshop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's goodshop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. Goodshop.com. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have uh, the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for, for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. All righty. Welcome back, friends. And again, thanks for being with us on this uh, November 22nd. We're happy to have you here. The first three centuries of the Christian faith were a period of missionary zeal, deep thought, and tribulation. And uh, our next guest, Jim Papandrea, is a Catholic author, professor, speaker, musician. He teaches uh, church history and Historical Theology at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, Northwestern University. He's a fellow at St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, also serves as a consultant for adult faith formation, and he's written a book called The Early Church. And I'm so excited about this because I've always had a great love for the early church and the great zeal that existed, uh, and the book is published by Ave Maria Press. So we want to welcome to the program Jim Papandrea. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. It's uh, it's great to be with you. Now, as an historian, I'm sure that uh, you have a, a, a wealth of knowledge about uh, the early church. Uh, was this uh, the genesis of this? What what inspired you to write about uh, this particular era in our church? Well, I've always been drawn to the early church, and um, when I did my doctorate, I decided to study the church fathers and the the era of the early church. So I've done a lot of writing on it already. Um, but uh, my friend Mike Aquilina approached me uh, and told me that he was going to be editing a series of books um, called the Reclaiming Catholic History series, and uh, he wanted me to write the first volume in the series. And so um, I was really uh, happy and blessed and honored and, and excited to write the first volume in this series covering the first uh, 300 or so years of the Church. Um, so, so Ave Maria Press and, and Mike Aquilina, they came to me, and um, I'm just really glad they did. I'm glad they did, too, because, you know, I, I say it every year when we get into the Easter season, and of course you know the readings during the Easter season, the Mass readings are from the Acts of the Apostles, 
And I always think, especially in the state of the culture today and, and where our church is today, how it probably is more important now than ever for us to look back at those first centuries of the church to see how how she grew and and why she grew and and the, the zeal that existed. Were you finding that as in your own particular studies about the early church that the, the just the makeup of it and what 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 enabled it to grow as it did? That's right. I mean, it, you know, I fell in love with all of it, all of the things that you're that you're mentioning, and um, and actually, I came into my study of the early church as a Protestant. I had been baptized Catholic, but then raised in a Protestant denomination, and uh, it was my study of the early church that brought me back to Catholicism because you know one of the one of the myths that I had been taught that that is is completely busted when you do your own homework is this idea that at some point. There was a Christian church that existed before Catholicism, that, that somehow there was this sort of pre-Catholic Christianity that was a pristine version of Christianity before the, the Catholics added things. And then I realized, you know what, there is no such thing as pre-Catholic Christianity. Uh, it is, in fact, the Catholic Church from the beginning, and so that's when I knew I had to come back to the Catholic Church. So, I, you know, I completely agree with all that you're saying, because I just fell in love with all of it. You know, it's interesting you bring up that point, Jim, because um, a lot of the young people today that I have met and had entered into a conversation with, whether you call them millennials or otherwise, they are questioning, you know, and they're, I'm talking about Catholics who are questioning their faith, and their first question is always, seemingly, well, how do you know the Catholic Church was the first one? And and like you said, that's the myth that's out there. They said, how do you absolutely know for sure that the Catholic was the absolute first church? Yeah, and, and the, 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 the shortest answer is, you read the documents uh, from the people who lived during that time. Mm-hmm. And you read about the controversies that they had to deal with, the arguments they had to have, uh, the conclusions they came to, and um, and also what you'll find out is that there's this sort of unbroken connection of the Church going all the way back through the Church Fathers to the Apostles and to Jesus himself. And so you you, you will literally see that uh, that connection, and you'll see the evidence of it in the documents that are available for all of us to read in English, online, they're all there. Right. And so um, anyone can read them. Right. We're talking with Jim Papandrea, and the book is called The Early Church, published by Ave Maria Press. It's AveMariaPress.com. Jim, what would we recognize about the early church, and what wouldn't we recognize about the early church? Well, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of things that we uh, would recognize, uh, especially in the um, in the devotion of the people who lived at that time, their devotion to Jesus, their devotion to Mary. Um, their, so you, you know, one of the things that I get to do in this book is introduce readers to some of the people who not only lived at this time, but who died for the faith. I mean, these were people who were who would rather die, give up their lives, than give up their faith, and and they died to pass the faith on to us. And you get to meet some of these people, and you get to see their their passion for uh, for Christ and His Church. And um, and so these are the kinds of things that are familiar. Liturgy is, uh, you, you know, you'd recognize the liturgy. It hasn't changed that much since the early Church. And um, and so there's just uh, sort of a lot of things that we think of as Catholic that just have been around since the beginning or, or you know, uh, 
since the early church, and, and it, it feels very familiar, it looks familiar, and you feel at home with these people. Mm-hmm. What about the roles of the bishops and the priests and the deacons compared to what we have today? Well, you know, the, the hierarchy that we have um, started quite early, um, and it, it's a very organic process because, uh, you know, the, there are folks who would like to um, uh, who would like to believe that there was no hierarchy at the beginning, that it was somehow, a, you know, a very, um, you know, egalitarian movement at the beginning. But the truth is, the hierarchy simply begins from the from the master and apprentice relationship of Jesus and the disciples. And the disciples become apostles, and they choose their own disciples and commission them as leaders. And when the apostles died, then the next generation of, of leaders become the first bishops, who are the successors to the apostles. And so it all grows very organically out of the needs of the Church, um, but, uh, but it exists from the very beginning. And we know, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, was uh, certainly a driving force, especially from that first Pentecost on, uh, in the growth of the church. What, what, in your, in, what, what can we see as a um, main drive in, in, in the growth of the church, considering people were dying for their faith, people were willing to die for their faith, and people were dying for their faith, but the church grew so rapidly and, and spread so rapidly? Yeah, and, and that is exactly one of the reasons, that uh, non-Christians could see their Christian neighbors willing to die for something because they believed it was bigger than life. And, um, you know, in a, in a world like the Roman Empire, where, where you know, the 99% lived with a sort of um, base-level despair at all times over the, 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 the cheapness of human life, um, they wanted that. They saw that. They saw that passion for and that faith in something bigger than life, and they wanted that. And then beyond that, it was really, um, you know, the, the the Christians loving their neighbors and living to the extent that they could, uh, living out their values. It, it was actually a rare thing in the Roman Empire for a religion to include the kind of morality that Christianity does and to sort of impose on on people a responsibility to care for their neighbors. Uh, You didn't get that a lot in the Roman Empire, and that's the kind of thing that converted people. Mm. You know, Jim, you're talking about the early church, and I I feel like we could be having this same identical conversation— talking about today. You know, we are—the best we can do is be witness to those people who are non-Christian to show them that we care for our neighbor, we care for our church family, we, we care for our own families in a unique way because the moral breakdown in society today, it just sounds like the same struggles they had in the year 2 and 300. Well, that is so true, and in fact, um, a lot of the the writing and speaking that Mike Aquilina and I have done together has been on that very point, that um, we as a culture have sort of come full circle to a place where we are experiencing some of the same kinds of of uh, marginalization and even persecution that Christians did in the early church. Mm-hmm. We um, and, and if we want to reconvert the world, uh, there are many lessons we can learn from the early Christians, 
and uh, and and so you know there's a, there's a lot we can learn from from our early history, and it, it turns out it's very relevant now. Uh-huh. Well, and that's and as I'm you know the book again is called uh, the Early Church. It's published by Ave Maria Press. We're talking with uh, Jim Papandrea, who has written the book. Uh, it's a very easy read and very interesting. It's not that, you know, you would say it's a history. It's not like a big thick history book like we used to have in high school. It's a very, very uh, easy read and, and chock full of information and knowledge. I like when you, you um, talk about the um, the Christian uh, christening of pagan holidays as this myth that we had that Christmas was a, a christening of a, a pagan holiday. But you, you dispel that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one of the things that was so gratifying about writing this book was I got to play Mythbuster and uh, bust a lot of myths about the early church. Um, and and one of them is exactly that, that, you know, you will hear people say, oh, you know, the early Christian holidays were just sort of pagan holidays that were taken over and Christianized. Um, but that is not actually true. And I talk in the book about, uh, you know, how, how Christmas, we, we got the date for Christmas just by adding nine months to the date uh, of the Annunciation, March 25th, because the Annunciation is the, the um, conception of, of Jesus in the womb of Mary, right? And so, of course, he'd be born nine months later. And that's how we got December 25th for the birth of Jesus, not by taking over some Roman or pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jim, why is, it, why is it important for us today to, to really know our history as a church? Well, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I think that's so important is because you are going to encounter people who will give you um, false versions of that history, or they will, they will make arguments that are biased against the church based on um, misconceptions about the history. And so if you don't know your own history, then it's too easy to believe what people tell you about the history when they tell you uh, things that are not true. And believe me, there's a lot of not true things out there. And so, um, you know, this this book is kind of a very accessible way to get a handle on on that so that we you know, know how to answer someone who, you know, who gives us uh, some of these, uh, some of these arguments, or at least just so we know that if something, if we read something on the internet or whatever, that it's not necessarily true. So this is a series, Reclaiming Catholic History. This is, you say it's going to be an an ongoing series. It's going to take us through uh, more history of the church. That's right. My book is the first volume in the series, and I believe there are, let's see, I'm looking here, one, two, three, four, five, six more volumes uh, coming. Mm. The second one is out already, I believe, um, The Church in the Roman Empire. That's mm-hmm. by Mike Aquilina. Mm-hmm. And then there, there are uh, about five more that are coming, bringing it all the way up to the modern era. Oh, we'll have to continue to have uh, all the all the authors on Mike as well as others. Absolutely. Uh, An ongoing series for us as well. I, I can almost see this being a program, Mythbusters. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, right. There's... The title is taken, but we could do it. Oh, That's okay. right. <laughs> no, no, plagiarizing, no plagiarizing here. Sorry about that. But I, I, I don't tell you, now, I've, I've not been to the Holy Land. I know Cheryl has been to the Holy Land, but we've both been to Rome a number of times. And you know, when I go to Rome and you walk around and you see all the history, we're just talking about Saint Cecilia and her story. Right. And you go That's to the church right. and all the beautiful, and it is a beautiful, rich history that when you when you really begin to study it, as we do in in your book, but also that if you can get the opportunity to get to these locations where the the history actually took place and, and feel it, it comes yeah. alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, and it really enlivens us in our own uh, our own living of our faith, seeing that those who went before us, what they gave up and how much sacrifice they gave. So we, you know, uh, we understand the growth of this church over 2,000 years. It's been a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
Well, the book is called The Early Church. It's uh, authored by Jim Papandrea, and it's published by Ave Maria Press. That's AveMariaPress.com. Jim, it's great work, and we want to thank you for writing it, and thank you for uh, being a part of the program today. Thank you. It's uh, great to talk to you. God bless you. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, friends, we want to take a break and be back. Don't go away. There's more to come on Friday Live.
lose its taste No usefulness has life If it's hidden away So may our souls, our hearts, our minds be graced And for the Spirit's gifts and power let us pray There's something I liked about Jim. Well, I, I missed the opportunity to ask him about his musicianship, of course, on the Feast of St. Cecilia. Oh, right, it right, says right, right, he's right. a musician, yeah, but I wanted right. to explore that a little bit more. But as I'm looking at this book, he's written so many other books. He wrote a travel guide. I knew there was oh, something I could just say. travel guide to where? Rome. Rome. A oh, Pilgrim's really? Guide to the Eternal City. Somewhere. Oh, we should have him back on for that one. That's right, talk. when you're planning a trip. Do we have to mm-hmm. go back? But, you know, what a powerhouse couple of hours today because of these two authors that you have on. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the early church and then made for mission. And then Krista calls in to play the game and wins and expresses her interest in not just the lives of the saints, but especially in the martyrs mm-hmm. and how people just died, inspired because right. people died for the faith. Right, exactly. And of course, we want to forget Mike and Marianella, who <gasps> added a little yes. extra. We'll be yes, looking yes, forward yes. to having oh, them join the family. Uh, yeah. Again, starting December 1st, that's Sunday at 11 a.m. and every Sunday thereafter, 11 a.m. And then Mondays at 4, Talking Catholic with Mike Walsh uh, and then his co-host, Marianella uh, Nunez, and two other young women will rotate as co-hosts with him. Looking forward to that, yes. So it's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, God keeps doing great things, friends, and we can't do it at all without you. So uh, as we approach this uh, coming uh, holiday on Thursday, Thanksgiving, uh, we thank God for you and for all you do for us. Our newsletter, our Grazia end of year newsletter goes out on Monday. So uh, you will be receiving that hopefully sometime next week. And when you do, please send back your prayer requests in the envelope and closed so we can pray for you and your intentions throughout the Advent and Christmas season. Of course, Bruce will be here a couple of times during the Advent season. And then also ask you please to pray and prayerfully consider making Domestic Church Media a recipient 
of your end of year and Christmas generosity. Uh, because we do need you. We have to have more programming like this. We have to have more, reach more and more people every day with the truth. As you hear these these horrible statistics about the decline in, in Christianity and Catholicism and the rise in the nuns of people who don't believe in anything, we are called to evangelize. We're called to proclaim the good news, and we can't do it without you. So thank you for all that you do for us. So we're going to hit the road. And uh, I'll be back with you, God willing, on Tuesday. Uh, Next Friday, we'll be off because of the Thanksgiving holiday, but we're going to have a little prelude to our Christmas music, two hours of Christmas music next Friday at 4 o'clock. So join us then, and uh, have a great weekend. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving.